This week on the Out of Ireland podcast. During our research to find Irish people that are interesting and have amazing stories, we've come across a lot of smaller stories about people who did things out of Ireland that were incredible, but maybe wouldn't have filled a whole episode. So what we decided to do this week is each of us have found an Irish figure from history, researched it, and we're going to tell the other two the story. And hope someone else hasn't repeated that one. Yeah, we haven't told each other what we're doing. So we're going to, yeah, hopefully one of us isn't going to go, what? No, you didn't. I did him. Oh. Yeah, I hope you didn't do my guy. <laughs> <laughs> Oshin, I don't think even you did you, your guy. I, I did, I did. I'm do you want to go last, Oshin? Yes. <laughs> Has anyone got any good uh, headphones stories recently? I feel like it's very directed of me. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think she did, but I do. I have these nice, expensive Jabra. Uh, well, I had earphones, and one of them has gone missing. And I kind of thought that the dog took it, so I've had to sit, sift through my dog's poo the past day. Um, so far, I haven't found any, but uh, I'll keep digging. <laughs> Which is weird because people would think you should call the vet or something, but like it's a very small earbud, so we figure it would pass if it. If it yeah. I don't think she ate it. I think this is just a. <laughs> Where is it gone? Just a shit squelching exercise. That's oh, not fun. It's not pleasant. So do you like pick it up when you're walking in the bag and then just look like a madman just squeezing it? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Pick it up in the bag and sift through it. So anyway, can we let's talk about let's not talk about this because this is still a very <laughs> sore topic. For the dog, it's sore as well. <laughs> well, we'll see. She seems fine. She seems fine. We're we're I'm only like it's only like a twenty percent chance she ate it. Try and play a music really loud in case it still had some battery in it. And if you could hear some no, that's actually like a coming out of her arsehole. That's like a popular meme nowadays, but uh, I did not know. But I, like the, the problem is the earphones have their like find my earphone feature, this geolocation fancy, fancy tech shite, because I spent 200 euro on them and it only works if they're turned on. So yeah. it's useless. Like, oh, I lost my earphone. I better, hopefully it's turned on. It automatically turns off when it's plugged out of your ear for like 15 minutes. So you have to... Arouse your earphones. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. So Dara, what have you been up to this week? We had like a little nightclub night in our house here. A nightclub night? Yeah, we went all out. So there's four of us in the house. We're sick of just boring Saturday nights. So we decided to splash out. We got a smoke machine and a disco ball and <laughs> we got a neon Dying bag of cocaine. Bag of yolks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we got a neo sign that we were able to like fashion into. We made the name of the uh, nightclub the Strand, or Stranded, <laughs> sorry, and we fashioned the neo sign to say Stranded. And okay, yeah, we were up drinking and partying until six a.m. Why the Strand? Because we're near the Strand Road. Um, did you, Dara? Did you pull? Did I pull? I did actually. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Same Ooh. person, you know, every night. <laughs> your your girlfriend of the past five years? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 6 a.m. So it was a proper session then, was it? Oh, you yeah. probably went for it, like. Oh, yeah, we bought, like, tequila. We did shots. We did, um, <laughs> we did, uh, what they call it? Jesus. Some sloppy. Nappies. We did Jaeger bombs, so. Oh. Yeah. Mickey Finns, actually. We bought Mickey Finns as well. Oh, God. <laughs> it's yeah. more sugar than alcohol. Is that, yeah, you were just up until six in the morning because of the sugar, not the alcohol. 
anyway, speaking of like having a little nightclub in your home, we had a little uh, a little setup as well. So I live at home with my family and my dad. Um, he had, on Wednesday he had a dream about a pint of Guinness. He just loves his Guinness. Um, and then on Friday I get home and he we have like a, a garage that's just full of like shit. Like you know, it's you guys have been it's not big. He got a fucking Guinness keg installed and taps and refrigerators. And now we have 90 pints of Guinness sitting in our garage for just the two of us. So like, like it, it's Your an impossible glass. Pardon? Your mom will have a glass. Yeah, oh no, she did. And she hated it. She's like, I still hate Guinness, even though it's draft. But um, so yeah, we had a, we had a pretty heavy Friday night with it. And since then now it's been about four or five days and I'm, yeah, you know, it was a, it's fun, but you just missed the pub. I think even though you bring the Guinness home, you just missed the pub. How long does it last in a keg? I have no idea. Three months, I think. Oh, yeah, does it? Months. Even once it's mm-hmm. tapped, like. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Oh, that's grand then. I think. I oh, maybe when it's tapped, to... then actually, maybe when it's tapped, yeah, maybe it's different. But I know three months is normal. Imagine no, you put, got a, put a good... setup and you only get like a, a week. week out of it. You'd be drinking Guinness in your cereal and everything. Come on, we got to get through it. <laughs> Ah, but it is nice, but you miss. I wish the restrictions were a little... Uh, well, hopefully, by the time this is released, they'll be a little bit more relaxed. But um, at the moment now, no one can come over at all. But... Yeah. So we're, we're making do. Our plan is for myself and Dara to pull up in our vans outside your house mm-hmm. and just have you pour us pints. That's, I'm okay with that. Though yeah. maybe we should have Dara pour the pints. He's the expert. Yeah, that first pint you poured looked... Oof. Yeah, I couldn't decide <laughs> whether to do a full pour or not, and then I just did that shitty middle stuff. It was terrible. <laughs> And also, like, what do you call secret pubs in Ireland are called she beans. So my last name is Feeney, so we call this a fee bean. I think oh, it's the best wow. name in the world. So who wants to kick us off? Well, I guess it's between me and you, Connor. So how do you want to do it? Do you want to go? Uh, I'll go first, I think. Is my wait, hang on, should we go? Whose is the earliest? No, I don't think it needs to. No? It can be completely in any order. And just to remind you, we have no idea what the other person is going to say. So um, our feigning stupidity won't be feigning (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I'll start I can start with a guy called Charles Byrne if either of you heard of him no oh that's good okay good we're off to a good start Charles Byrne was born in 7061 he was born in Drummullen County Derry yeah and he was should I reveal like what he was or well yeah I can't let's guess let's guess oh yeah what's his name I just Charles Byrne Charles Byrne, 1761. Um, was he a pirate? Nope. Okay, shit. Dara, you get one guess because guessing games aren't fun. An architect. No, but some would say he was a giant of his time. He he was... he was. Oh no, he's not a tall guy, is he? Yeah, he was a giant, yeah. Oh, fuck. Do you have a giant as well? No, but it's in the similar vein. Go on. Did you get the small guy? <laughs> Did you get the I, small one? That's perfect. I will not really, I will not reveal my secrets, but Dara, you, you better have a medium man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the height of my man, so that's... Okay, so we can assume middle, right. So my guy was, yeah, he was called, known as the Irish giant, so he got quite famous at the time. Some reports at the time claimed he was eight foot two or eight foot four. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, but we do know now that he was seven foot seven. And I'll come back to why or how we know that. Oh, I think later. I know this. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Will I say it? Uh, no. No, no. Oh. I won't say it. Uh, you can just throw in little snide remarks or jokes or whatever you fancy. I, I could be completely wrong, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> most likely. Was he in the circus? Sort of, but not really. So there was loads There was loads of Irish giants. 
but this one no there's one that went off and was like the in pt barnum's show so like in the greatest like he was known as the irish giant and the irish colossus and stuff sorry who's pt barnum he's the kind of the greatest showman so he had a circus of freaks and oddities as he called them he has the world's largest elephant who had a mad story as well was this in england or in ireland no in in the us but he had loads of stuff he like had a a mermaid carcass that he felt like was like oh come see this mermaid that i've got and it was like he forged got someone to attach a monkey to a fish like full-on mad but it became like a thing when you went to his shows to kind of look and go is this real or is this fake so people knew he was faking but it was kind of part of the act so yeah he's trying to yeah he's really interested there was a movie made about him with the johnny depp or no wolverine wolverine man yeah what's his name uh i have no idea hmm. i know Hugh jackman Hugh jackman, Hugh jackman. Hugh jackman. Hugh jackman. Oh, yeah i'm very proud of myself i'm even <laughs> terrible <at celebrities. laughs> but yeah so not not related to P.T. Barnum, but he did kind of work in the circus circuit, but not really, sort of. Um, just to go back a bit, his parents said that he was so tall because they conceived him on top of a haystack. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Logic. Uh, yeah, and they were like normal heighted people, normal sized people. Um, so yeah, it's just, a, it was a kind of a mad thing. So he did eventually move on out of Ireland. Um, but yeah, Northern Ireland didn't exist then because this was 1761, 17, yeah, 1760s. Um, so yeah, he went off to Scotland, became kind of a big celebrity immediately. And one of the reports said the night watchman in Scotland said they they saw him lighting his pipe from one of the gas streetlights. So Whoa, like, <laughs> that's a brilliant image. It's a very cool image. That makes me think of like Hagrid from Harry Potter or something. Yeah, exactly. So the way he earned his money is he earned money from like appearances. So a pub or a restaurant or a hotel would say, you come like sit in our restaurant and people pay to come and see you. And it turned out he was actually really good crack. So he was like gas. A lot of people would come chat to him and find him. He's actually really fun and worthwhile. So he ended up going down to London because he was getting more offers down there uh, for more money. And like, kind of like, do you know when like a new bar opens up and they get a load of influencers to come? Yeah. This California. Was, yeah. Get the lads in California <laughs> down to your gym when you're opening it up or something. So yeah, the I found a poster from the Cannon Coffee House where you had to pay one shilling to go see him, to be in the room with him, which is about four pounds today. Isn't bad. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, um, it's not too shabby. It sounds like a cool poster. We'll have to post it in the... Uh, it's not. It's uh, it's like the, you know, just 1770s, 1780s. Uh, so posters were just text. But then I actually, I looked up the coffee shop and it was 27 Coxborough Street, which is now Garfunkel's Restaurant. So you can go to Garfunkel's Restaurant and think about how a really tall man was once there, which is exciting. Yeah, and this is why this is a small episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> really digging for details here that are interesting. But yeah, there's a newspaper report uh, from the time that said, however striking a curiosity may be, there's generally some difficulty in engaging the attention of the public. But this was not the case for the modern living colossus or wonderful Irish giant. Basically, just been like, yeah, he's good crack. It's a nice outside. I always think that about people from up north. They're always a bit more crack. Do you know when you go into a pub in the north and like people will chat to you immediately? 
You've mentioned this already on the podcast. I, must... <laughs> I really like the North. They're lovely. Yeah, so he started doing loads of these events. So he was constantly out at hotels or bars or coffee shops. And he got really, really wealthy, but he didn't trust banks. And he was so big, he was like, no one's going to rob me. I'm massive. So he kept all his money on him, like everything he's ever earned. He just kept on him. He does uh, know people can use weapons, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. He just was like, no, I'm massive. You don't need to. You won't touch me. I can't reach him with the knives. But it's also, it has like the air of, do you know the year after you finish college, when you first get a job and you think you have loads of money, so you're out drinking all the time and you're like, I'll buy a pint. And then, yeah. So he basically was doing that. So he started drinking a lot like every day and he was going to hotels and bars and stuff. So they were plying him with drink and it was kind of a thing to be like, look how much he can drink. So, yeah, I say good tolerance. Say so, yeah. Yeah, he went to a pub called the Black Horse Pub and he got really, really drunk and a pickpocket stole all of his money, like his whole life savings on him, which was 700 pounds. Jesus, I'm just curious, was it all over his pockets or like in a pouch or, you know, imagine yeah. carrying your whole life and you're back and you're a giant man. Yeah, and it's it's not a, yeah, it's a decent amount as well. So 700 pounds, I found a great website called the, on the UK National Archives where you can type in a time period and the amount of the time and it'll tell you what it is modern day. Oh, sad. So 700 pounds was about 60,200 <laughs> oh, wow. pounds. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> he just had it in his pockets. Uh, and what that website also tells you is it also tells you how many horses that could have bought you? 66 horses. Whoa. Shit. Uh, he could have bought 140 cows. like, whoa. As if like he knows anything about horses. <laughs> That's a lot of horses. 66 yeah, horses. It is, yeah. Actually, yeah, you probably couldn't buy 66 horses for 60 grand now, could you? Less than oh, 10 grand a horse. Do we look like horse people? He this basically like immediately dropped him into poverty. His health had already started to deteriorate, but it was kind of masked by the fact that he was drinking so much. So people were like, oh, is he not healthy or is he just hungover? You know, that kind of way. So when he wasn't able to afford to keep drinking, they realized, oh, he's actually quite sick. And we know now that he wasn't that tall because of his parents getting giggity on a haystack. It's because he had a tumor on his pituitary gland, which is apparently the main way giganticism happens. Oh, giganticism. Giganticism, yeah. Yeah. Jesus, that's a good word. And they don't, yeah, people with don't live that long. Doesn't no. Just put their body under so much pressure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's usually like their joints and stuff go really early. I always remember the story about Andre the Giant. And, you know, the way he was, uh, you know, he was the giant in The Princess Bride. But, it, you know, and he's carrying the princess around in a lot of the shots. But in reality, he was so sick at the time or he was so injured over the weight of his own body that he couldn't even carry anybody. He had to be supported carrying her. She had to have ropes and everything. So even though he looked huge and strong, he was completely bollocksed for the, yeah. the movie. But he, they did have a similar kind of trajectory. Like there was, he had shows, this guy had shows written about him and stuff. So he was pretty big deal at the time. He was probably the most famous giant at the time. Um, The other thing that was happening around this time is that doctors were always looking for cadavers for medical research, especially strange ones or oddities as they were kind of called at the time. Now our giant Charles didn't want his body to be used. So he said to his mates when he realized his health was deteriorating he was like okay promise me that when i die you will put me in a lead coffin and throw me into the sea so no one can do anything with me and they were like yeah no worries and um, but it was weird that he also knew there was like one guy in particular in london at the time called john hunter who was like the main guy who was like i want this body i want to dissect him i want to know what's going on 
Yeah, it was just Imagine weird. Imagine some guy chasing you going, I want your body. Yeah. Oh, I want that. I want to dissect this guy. But it was huge at the time. Like, sure, even Glasnevin Cemetery, you know, all if there's like the walls around Glasnevin Cemetery in mm. Dublin, there's like guard towers where they used to have guards watching for body snatchers. Yeah, so when he was like kind of sick and dying, there was a, a, news, a news report at the time or a journal said at the time, a whole tribe of surgeons put in a claim for the poor departed Irishman and surrounded his house just as harpooners would an enormous whale. Aww. Yeah, so he did eventually die in 1783 at 22 years old. 22. Um, yeah, very young. Yeah, the way you've talked about his story, I was like, ah, oh, the ripe old age of 70. Yeah, no, no. He <laughs> left Northern Ireland like in his, it seems to be in his early teens. We're not quite sure uh, what time he did. But anyway, when he passed away, his friends did what they're told. He was in a lead coffin, brought out into the English Channel and they threw it in. And that was that. But it wasn't. A year later, John Hunter revealed that he had paid £500 to get the body of Burn uh, before it was thrown into the sea. So... Some people say he paid off The Undertaker, and some people said he paid off one of Byrne's friends. I hope it's not his friends. Yeah, I hope it's an Undertaker. But anyway, this guy, yeah, dissected him, looked into it, looked into his body and blah, blah, blah. Took the flesh off and kind of preserved his skeleton and measured him also at seven foot seven, which is how we know his actual height. Um, and his skeleton is now in the Royal College of Surgeons. It's in a display case sitting up there for everyone to see. And in 2011, the British Medical Journal did a poll asking people if they should keep the skeleton. And 56% of people voted for burial at sea. So they should bury him because they've taken DNA samples and all that. So they're kind of like, we have all we need for research. Mm. Um, so 56% of people voted for burial at sea. 13% said removal from display and kept for research. And 31% of people said you should keep him where he is, keep him in the case. Um, so popular opinion was definitely bury him at sea. You know, if not bury him at sea, put him away, you know, out, out of sight. And the Royal College of Surgeons kind of had to formally consider it. And in the tradition of all British museums, they just said, no, we're going to keep him. Oh, yeah. And that's where he is today. You can go in and see him. Poor old fella. Yeah. Was that the story you knew, Dar? Yeah, that's yeah. Well, I knew he was still on display. Yeah, yeah. Just, it's yeah, really just, sad, isn't it? The sad ending. Yeah. It's. I think there's. Uh, I was looking into other giants and other like. There's been a good few Irish giants, and they all just seem to have sad endings. It's all died young, or you know, their body was taken for medicine, and mm. a lot of them turned to drink as well. But you are just a pup, not a puppet. You're like. You're just a show, a walking show. Well, they literally call yeah, them freak shows. Like, yeah. like a lot of them were in freak shows as giants and stuff, which is mad. But yeah, that's my happy ending to a fun story. <laughs> Jesus. Well, yeah, I guess in, in the, with us, they seem to always have unhappy endings. Well, but I guess because they're always dealing with pe historical people who yeah. die. So it's, who knows? A fun oh, comedy podcast. Here's a load of dead people. <laughs> I feel like I should go next since mine is also size related. What do you think? Well, Dara, is, is yours size related? It's not. No, no. Okay. Will I tell you what mine is? Um, sure. Well, well, I don't know. Will I go or do you want to go? Yeah, no, you go. You go. Okay, Very then polite. don't tell me what yours is. I want to. I want to. I want the element of surprise. So Connor has a big fella. Well, I've got a little fella. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you guys talking? About? <laughs> And quite, quite the little fella indeed. Actually. But, um, You've been told this several times. 
you've seen it. I've sent you pictures. You've seen it. Um, I'm going to be doing the story of Richard Flaherty. So do you guys know him? No. I actually just sent you a picture. I don't think you read the, the blurb. I'm not sure I want to open a picture from you of your little fella. <laughs> Again, nothing you haven't seen before. But um, yeah, so Richard Flaherty was like an Irish-American guy. And his dad was from the Aran Islands. And his mom was from a really weirdly named place, Fecal. Near Loch Ray in Galway. F-E-A-C-K-L-E. Fecal? Fecal? No Fecal? idea. No idea. Never heard of it. But um, that's the extent of his Irishness anyway. He was a... There's Okay, they're, they're actually this might actually have a bit of a chance to make an actual episode out of this because... Well, no, but it, that's a future thing because he was kind of like discovered homeless on the street and then he started to reveal his life. And like, it just... It, it all gets really, really strange. Basically, he was born in November 28, 1945. At a very young age. He was born... He was very young when he was born. <laughs> But there was a complication along the way and he had a hormonal imbalance which stunted his growth. The doctors expected him only to grow to a height of 4'7 and he actually surprised them by growing to 4'9, four, 4 foot 9 inches. So what would that be in anything else? No Stand idea. hands. Anyways. Yeah. That's, anyway. about, that's about half a cow high, I think. <laughs> Get off you with your cows. <laughs> but like I'd be about what, 5'9 or 5'10. So he like he he's pretty small. If you see the pictures, they're very shockingly small as well. Well, this one was saying, medically speaking, he's considered a proportionate dwarf. So yeah, we, we, he's born, he's 4'9", so he's small enough, and he decides he wants to be in the army. And the army wouldn't let you in if you're that short. You have to be a certain size and fitness and all that sort of stuff. So he needed a congressional waiver just to get into the army. And once he was in the army, he was bullied, and he was called a leprechaun, and he was called all sorts of things. And again, it's it's kind of like your very average movie story, or your very typical movie story. You know, like, oh, you're not going to make it, you can't do that or whatever but yeah well he ended up earning a lot of things he became what's called a green beret captain which sounds really good and then he also got a silver star he got two bronze stars he got two purple hearts and the poop purple the poople the purple hearts were for his actions in vietnam so he he had a lot of action and like there, i think the picture we have of him is him in vietnam and it's just insane to see the size difference of him with his cohorts so was he in vietnam would he have been like using foxholes and stuff would he have gone down maybe like, actually, sorry, I thought that was a joke, but now when you, when you say it again... Like, no, that the, seems like a real genuine yeah, use. Yeah, yeah, like. because the, for anyone not aware, like, the, the Vietnamese were very, very stealthy and could appear out, uh, could wage, atta- wage attacks, and then just disappear into the foliage. Yeah, well, um, into their little sub-networks of tunnels. Is it coochie stuff. tunnels? What are they called? Coochie, yeah. yeah. That's just one they have remaining. They were all over. They had, like, hospitals and everything underground, and... Like people network. could live underground. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I don't have too much about his time in Vietnam, so mm. it might be for the, the large episode. Yeah, this sounds good. <laughs> but because then the story starts to get really, really, really weird. And this is where there's some stuff that hasn't come out yet, but there's a documentary on the way out. Yeah, he was... Okay, so he was in the Airborne Division. He was decommissioned in 1971 because of military budget downsizing. So he left the military, but then he kind of became... He started doing private contract work, and he worked as a military contractor around Africa... Yeah, so he gained a reputation for intelligence. Then he was recruited in the CIA, but it's all very murky. When he worked in Central America, importing weapons and cash. So he's in Central America, but it says he was recruited by the CIA, but then he suddenly gets arrested for importing gun silencers. So I I really don't know what happened here. I guess he was arrested in the Central American country he was working in, and then the CIA dumped him. But that that would have been pretty standard like stuff that the CIA were doing at the time in Central America. Like any kind of government that was going vaguely communist, they were 
supplying weapons to whoever they supported, like the public government they were trying to prop up. To quash it. Yes. So, so we're, you see, that's the thing. There isn't that much information on what he was doing in Central America. But when he was arrested, the CIA basically dropped him. And that would be the end of his story if not for what happened about 15 to 20 years later when a Miami police officer by the name of David Yuzuk, Yuzuk, Y-U-Z-U-K, I don't know, it's a weird one, he befriended this homeless man on the street. And after about 10 years of friendship, the homeless man said to him, it's time to tell you who I really am. And then apparently he started telling off his life story, how he was abandoned by the CIA, how he was working in intelligence. And the police officer was like, oh my God, this, this information is amazing. So do they have like a nice long bond and friendship and does it all go well, guys? And then he has no. No. 10 days after revealing who he was to the policeman, he gets killed in a hit and run. CIA doing suspicious things, man. Well, I've no idea. I have a quote from the police officer and I'm just going to read that now and see what you think. But basically says, my three year journey of discovery dragged me down the rabbit hole of CIA conspiracies and the hunt for stolen classified weapons, stretching from the bloody jungles of Vietnam to the dangerous streets of Iraq and Venezuela, all in search of Green Beret Captain Richard J. Flaherty. So that's kind of it. Uh, for, I did a little bit of a Google search on it. There is a documentary planned, but I don't know how much they're going to be able to reveal about this guy. But So a very interesting story about an Irish-American guy who was in the army, then in intelligence, then doing all sorts of murky weird stuff, and then homeless and living on the streets of Miami for 15 years. So yeah, there's definitely a lot more backstory I'd like to get filled. So hopefully that documentary comes out in the next couple of months anyway. Yeah, I'd love to do an episode on him if we get more information. Yeah, if we get more sources, but I think it's a nice little story anyway. So sorry, we digress. Statman Darhurt. <laughs> Dara, what do you have? Uh, mine has nothing to do with height. But like Oshins, he is an American. So his Ooh. parents emigrated from Ireland and his name is Samuel O'Reilly. So will I tell you what he did now or? Tell us what he did. Did. Will I tell you what he did? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was the inventor of the electric tattoo machine. Ooh. I'd yeah. say he was buzzed when he invented that. Oh, I'm going to get that sound. I'm going to get that sound. <laughs> 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 no to editor get that fucking sound yeah. <laughs> so he was born in connecticut in 1854 to irish parents and he was the eldest of five kids so a typical kind of irish size family five is almost small isn't it yeah i guess maybe t <laughs> today is big but sorry yeah, irish but family is like 10 or 11 when are we talking uh 1854 oh wow he was born that's really early Sorry, that, that's when he was born. So he invented it later on in his life, oh, yeah. obviously. <laughs> he was born. <laughs> oh my God, he's out of the womb with a tattoo gun. There's very little known about O'Reilly's early years. Um, but in the 1870 census, it shows that he was being employed in a clock shop, uh, which his father also worked in. He seemed a bit of a wild teenager. And by the age of 19, he had left the clock shop and he went to make a living a different way by just robbing shops and burglary. In 1873, so he's 19 at this stage, him and two of his buddies got arrested uh, robbing a shop. And despite him being a minor, he was actually sentenced to two years hard labor. He was serving his time again. You have been just gagging. <laughs> you, you, I literally like, oh, there's so many clock jumps. You've just, oh, the entire podcast has just been puns from you, I think. Oh, it's, this is what happens when we record earlier than like nine o'clock. I'm actually switched on. I have energy. Yeah, I'm starting to fade. It's getting close to eight o'clock. 
We have to do a drinking podcast soon. We drink on every podcast. Have 90 pints of Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> Only three months before they go off, so we got to hurry up. In 1875, so he's out of jail at this stage, he joins the Marine Corps, but he quits after four months and he runs back to his hometown, uh, deserting them. Bit of a, yeah, loose cannon. He wants to do something with his life, but doesn't really. He went a bit cuckoo. <laughs> this is going to be such a hard edit. Yeah, I know. But it was in these four months in the Marine Corps, he seemingly learned how to be a tattoo artist. He learned the art of tattooing in four months. Whenever I think of tattoo artists, I think like, well, previous to guns, like sticky poke. I wonder was that what existed beforehand? You know, just like tick, 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 tick. Yeah, that's all it was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just, What's sticky yeah. poke? What? It's, it sounds exactly as, as it oh, is stick poke. poke. You get poked with a stick. It sounds like a, to- like a toothpick. A toothpick dipped in the ink that you just poke, 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 poke. I think poke. bamboo is what they really uh, That makes so much more yeah. sense, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not toothpicks, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's for the example of a sharp thing, but bamboo makes more sense, yeah. yeah. After you left the Marine Corps, in the city directory, it's down that he is conducting business as a memorizer, whatever that means. Ooh. What? Memorizer. Okay, interesting. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds like such a cool... I know I'm working on it. Um, I used to know what that was, but I can't remember. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you know what a memorizer No, does? I tried looking it up and I couldn't find anything. It would just link me back to the, the, the article I was reading. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Strange. Yeah. Um, but he didn't take too long to move back to his old ways. And him, his father, his mother, and his brother and sister... Uh, robbed a store <laughs> together as a family activity. <laughs> it's always nice yeah. to see families doing things, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the court documents have that the warrant was issued to, to all of them, but O'Reilly, our man O'Reilly, uh, just skipped town and ran away. But eventually uh, he handed himself in in Detroit, in Michigan, in October 1878. So uh, nearly a year later. Okay, so he's learned tattoo at the stage, but he hasn't done anything. Hasn't done really done anything with that. No, so I've he yeah. completely forgot about tattooing. I was like, this lad's mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he was given five years of hard labor in in the prison again, but this one was even worse because in this prison uh, it was quite strict. So the prisoners worked all day; they had to return to their cells at night, and they were forbidden from all talking. So they weren't allowed to communicate to each other at all. So for five years, he just was silent. Holy shit, that would fuck your mental capacity up, wouldn't it? Just yeah. banging on yeah. rocks all day. See me pleaded with the p- pastor of his church and a couple of townsmen to try and petition his release, but it was just rejected. We're not too sure if he served the, the entire five years, but so when he leaves prison, it's when he starts moving into becoming a full-time tattoo artist. And in 1875, it shows that he opened up a tattoo studio in Chatham Square in the Bowery District of New York, if anyone knows it. Um, was this like the first ever tattoo place? or No, so the tattoos, tattooing seemed to be quite popular. Um, it was just for, it, it seemed to be was more for military men and kind of the lower classes. It wasn't seen as upper class or the kind of aristocracy. But he seemed to change it because by the 1880s, so five years after he opened up his first store, he was making a name for himself. And in the 1890s, he was dubbed Professor O'Reilly, 
the best tattooer in the world and a perfect gentleman. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's good. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So within well, 15 years, he's become a household name. He loved the publicity. He wanted the attention. He did as many kind of uh, public showings as he as he could. Public tattooings? No. So just like people, like tattooing was quite new in that sense. So he was just famous for it. His his invention is quite interesting because he developed it from a Thomas Edison invention. So one of Thomas Edison's failed inventions, which was the electric pen, which I've never heard of. <laughs> it sounds. I can understand exactly what it does. Can you? Electric pen. What would you use that for? I don't know. Actually, oh yeah, well pens just do that. Maybe <laughs> did pens on did ballpoint pens not exist back then? Maybe no. So the point of the electric pen was to make copying easier. So it was quite difficult. Like printing was quite expensive, and you'd have to send it to a copier to rewrite the letter that you had. So the idea was this made a stencil as such, and it poked holes in the paper, in the the text that you wanted, and then they would just like paint over that onto a different piece of paper, and that would in theory copy the text onto the new piece of paper. Oh, uh, so yes, you as mm-hmm. you would write, so you would write the letter, and you would just make holes in the first one, and then loads of dots in the next one, and then so you'd make loads of holes on the page, and then you'd like put ink over that and then that in theory would copy the text onto the new page uh, so, oh, and that's like your stencil a, for oh, the letter oh actually now that i have an image of my head it sounds like it could could have worked so, so it work. could have worked but it failed because there was cheaper methods of a typewriter okay that just became quicker and uh, yeah so it, it failed i saw from two different sources one said edison was happy enough that his invention was reused and reimagined but then others said that he was very angry about it I think Edison was kind of a dick, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. From what, yeah, I don't know much about him, but I've heard that before. Yeah, is he the one who stole stuff from, like, he yeah. patented stuff while people were working on it? Like, he would. Was it? I think he knew. I think the story is that he knew someone in the patent offices, and yeah. he would literally, like, a couple of hours before someone no would put in a patent about the light bulb or whatever, mm. he'd happen to just put in the exact same thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, on the eighth of December, eighteen ninety-one, U.S. patent number. 464,801 was successfully filed uh, and O'Reilly changed the face of modern tattooing. And the faces of many people. Yeah, so yeah, it was. It actually did do a lot for them because obviously as we were saying, it was hand poking, so it was literally someone had to do it. And what I was reading was the most experienced artist could only puncture the skin two or three times a second while his new machine was able to do 50 pokes at a second. <laughs> Perforations would it be? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perforation sounds correct. And does he have any legacy? Does he have a football team or anything? Does no. So he he did his fame and popularity skyrocketed. Uh, he was inundated with bookings, and because tattoos became more normalized or semi-normalized in American society, the whole industry blew up, and he was at the top of his game. So everyone wanted to to go there. And um, he was in a bad area in New York, so. The rich people would actually get him to go out to their house. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Sounds uh, like a happily ever after story. Kind of. So there was a bit of a spat nine years after he released it. Um, he had to bring a rival artist, uh, Emerald Getchell, to court over uh, allegations that he's using his tattoo machine. But there's no evidence of an actual conclusion to that, actually, that, that court case. But his fame spread across all of america actually into europe as well 
but unfortunately in 1909 he died while painting his house and he fell off a ladder oh. yeah so it was, it was almost nice <laughs> yeah it's not it's not, that's not bad i guess because he sounded like he had a good life and everything so well he did hard labor twice so True. <laughs> he did seven years in prison. <laughs> and he died while doing labor. He died while painting. Yeah. His yeah. passion. I wonder, was he doing it with the tattoo gun? Just like, this is taking ages. <laughs> that's, a, that's a cool story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there wasn't much about him. So I just thought this is actually the perfect scenario to use yeah, this one. exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's three random stories of people with Irish connections who've gone on and done some mad stuff. One guy was big, one guy was small, one guy... Was big in the tattoo world. Yeah, there you go. Thanks for saving <laughs> me there. I had, no idea, I had no idea where I was going to go with that. <laughs> that's it for this Out of Ireland podcast. Um, music for the podcast was provided by Jordan O'Leary, who's extremely talented, so check him out. You can check us out over at patreon.com forward slash out of Ireland. No, you didn't. I didn't. Oh.